Folks, this has been a, a lovely day already so far. Um, and as I said at the outset, it's, it's a big day for us in our church life to, to be receiving all these new members. We've already been thinking a lot about church, I would say. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate communion here as we gather around this table. And as I speak for a moment, I, I wanted to try and bring those two uh, realities side by side and to see what they had to, to say about each other. Church and communion, communion and church, what do they have to do with each other? What does eating Jesus' meal teach us about being Jesus' body? What does communion say to us about our life as a church? Whenever we take the the bread, we remember Jesus' death. We remember that he allowed his body to be broken for us. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. Whenever we take the cup, we remember that Jesus allowed his blood to be be shed for us, to be poured out for us. Drink from it, all of you, he says. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So the bread and the wine remind us of Jesus' body broken and his blood poured. That passage we just looked at that Johnny read for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul identifies believers, those who believe in Jesus Christ, with the death of Jesus, with the crucified Christ. He says in verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Christ so that the life of Christ might be revealed in our body. So in his ministry and in his life, Paul identifies himself with Jesus, whose body was broken and whose blood was poured. You see, Paul too is allowing his body to be broken and his blood to be poured. And sometimes for him that was quite literally, if you know the the accounts of Paul's uh, ministry, his missionary journeys. Sometimes he was actually beaten and flogged till he bled. But he's speaking, I think, about something much, much deeper than, than mere physical suffering. Paul's speaking here about a whole way of life. Paul's committed himself lock, stock, and barrel to Jesus Christ. He's a, a missionary a church planter. He's gathering money for the poor. He's traveling from city to city telling people about Jesus. He's giving spiritual direction to to people who need it. It's a hard way of life. If you read the, the accounts of Paul's life in Acts, you soon get a sense of that. It costs him. costs him pretty much everything. He's, he faces opposition, he's criticized, he gets tired, he gets frustrated, and, and he's betrayed often by people close to him. His heart's broken again and again. Look at what he says in verse 11. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Death at work in us, life in you. How can Paul's death 
How can his, his dying be a means of life to these young Christians in Corinth? Well, Paul's living the life of Jesus. He's following in the footsteps of Jesus. He's giving his life as a blessing for others because he's come to see that for someone to receive, another person must give. For someone to be fed, someone has to provide the food. If someone's going to be inspired and and to have life breathed into them, then somebody else is going to have to have the life breathed out of them to make that possible. This is how Jesus lived. And Paul's seen it. And he too is choosing to live this way. This is how Jesus lived and this is how he calls his followers to live. Folks, I I got a moment of clarity as I was thinking about this this week. It, It seems to me that Jesus never called for admirers. People who sat on the sidelines thinking, oh Jesus, you're great. That's, that's great what you do. Jesus doesn't invite us to his table here. Uh, when we come here in a moment to think about this body broken and his blood shed, an admirer is going to be impressed. An admirer might even be grateful, but they'll leave it at that. A disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ will go further. They'll be impressed and grateful, but they'll also wonder how they can be identified with Jesus Christ, this one whose body was broken and his blood was shed. Always asking the question, how do we become more like Jesus? In chapter 5 of his letter, Paul urges the, the Ephesians, be imitators of God Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Paul's not saying anything new here. He's simply developing the the teaching of Jesus all along. If anyone would come after me, if you'd be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus, his body broken and his blood poured out. We're to be his disciples. We're to follow him. Friends, we're asking this morning what this communion meal might tell us about our life together as a church. And I think the answer is beginning to emerge. The church is the body of Christ and it ought to be ready to be broken and to be poured out for the world. So the church then isn't a place where religiously minded people, people who are a bit more songs of praise than Britain's Got Talent, gather together on a Sunday morning for for that weekly experience. It's not a place where you you pay your fee and and you get the product that you've signed up for. It's not a a marketing exercise where we sit here and we ask ourselves, well, what do people want and and how how can we provide that? The church is something very different than that. It's the body of Christ. 
It's the body of the one who was broken, whose blood was poured out. Folks, the longer I spend with Jesus and Jesus lived a life of downward mobility. Do you remember the yuppies of the early to mid-90s? Well, Jesus wasn't a yuppie. Jesus lived a a life of, of service, of giving, until it ended in his death. And if Kirkpatrick Memorial is to be in any authentic way a church of Jesus Christ, then we'll need to ask ourselves the question, what will it look like for us to to allow ourselves to be broken? For the very lifeblood that's in us to be poured out for others, what's that going to look like here and now in this place where God has put us? There's a a famous passage in Hebrews 10 where the writer encourages uh, believers not to stop meeting together because we should consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That phrase there, translated as good deeds, comes from the Hebrew word mitzvot, which means that it speaks of the actions that we do to bring healing to the world. So the church, what does the church do? The church gathers on Sundays to encourage each other for the ways in which we're going to give ourselves for the healing of the world. To to share the good news with people here in Valley Hackamore and to share the love of Jesus Christ tangibly and practically with them. The purpose of being here on a Sunday is to prepare us and inspire us and equip us for that. So even on a big Sunday like this, where we welcome new communicants and and we're encouraged to see new life flooding into our church, a Sunday like this is not an end in itself. It's actually the beginning. It's the place where we're prepared for, for everything else that flows out of this. These gatherings in the end are about remembering Christ body broken and blood shed. A group of people taking bread and drinking wine and asking the question, what now, Jesus? Now that we've fed on you again, what lies ahead? What are you calling us to? That's what this is all about. Whenever Jesus introduced to his disciples the bread and the the cup, and he said to them, do this in remembrance of me, the church picked him up. They, They responded and began to celebrate in the way that we do. We do this. This this gathering with bread and and wine. Some branches of the church do it every week, others do it much less often. Sometimes People sing and it's a noisy affair. Other times it's very quiet. We do this and it it moves us and it changes us and it, it humbles us and it brings us together. But what if Jesus meant something more than that? 
in, in his command to, to gather together and to do this? What if he wasn't interested primarily in, in the, the, the bread and the wine and how much we eat and how often we do it? What if he was inviting us to remember ourselves into his body? To, to be, you know, each one of us, we're told, is a member of the body, an arm, a leg, a, a, an eye, an ear. We're members of the body. What if this is all about being remembered into the body of Christ? To recognize all those ways in which we've become dislocated from who Jesus really is and the life he's called us to. What if this is an invitation to, to see Jesus clearly again and to, to allow him in his grace and mercy to draw us back in? A body that will be broken, a body that will be poured out. What if Jesus is talking here not about something that will last for 10 minutes or 15, but about a whole way of life? This is my body given for you. Do the same for those around you. Give yourself for them. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Are we willing to be poured out to be a blessing to those around us? Jesus comes to us today and he says, my church, my, my dearly loved ones, are you willing to be remembered to me? To be a part of my body in this time and this place? Do this in remembrance of me.